That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Aaron, here we are, another episode of Same Old Song, and uh, it is, uh, we're just a few days out in our world currently from Christmas, but um, I am still currently COVID free. How are you doing? Uh, pretty sure I am as well. Uh, we do have the Omicron variant here in McLennan County, Texas, but um, we finished with the pandemic about four months ago, so we're good. We're just fine down here. It's amazing. It's cutting through New York like a hot knife through butter. <laughs> People are <laughs> dropping like flies. But, um, uh, you know, it is what it is, and, uh, you know, and we just kind of carry on through, and so... Uh, knowing that God is in control, and uh, really that is uh, what uh, the second Sunday after Christmas is all about. No, it's not. January 2nd is about me crushing it with my New Year's resolutions, Uh, and on January 2nd, the Sunday that we will be preaching this sermon, uh, listeners, um, we'll still feel good about ourselves. We'll still feel like we can make it. Somebody, a dear friend, told me today that every year in January she begins her Read the Bible in a Year plan and every year she can tell by her notes that she makes it through about October, which I got to say, I hand it to you because that's amazing. Most people are like <laughs> done by spring break, but she gets all the way she's through October. She's never read Malachi. Which basically she's means she's Malachi. like never read the New Testament all the way through because that's when it gets into the, into the New Testament. But she said October, yeah. it just like the holidays hit and she gets so slammed. So anyways, but January 2nd, you'll be talking to people that still think New Year's resolutions work. They'll be, they'll, they'll have deluded themselves once again. So it is a good time to talk about the, um, to prep people for the failure that will come and to talk about a God who loves them even despite that in the middle of that. And you, dear clergy person who's listening, I hope you found some time to rest after Christmas before the new year and uh, just uh, just make sure you preach grace to yourself as much as you do to your congregation. Yeah, I think, you know, and that is, that is the powerful thing and the thing that we need to be, rem- why preaching the gospel is so important Sunday after Sunday. You know, uh, you know, you and I have been accused of being a one-trick pony, uh, but the fact guilty is, is charged. We, we wear that 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 accusation as a badge of honor, and so should you, uh, because the truth is is that things like New, New Year's resolutions, which are good in a horizontal sense, the problem is is that they get all muddled up when they start getting into the vertical sense. When we start finding our value and worth. Uh, and believing that God finds uh, value and worth in us by our ability to keep resolutions. And this is what makes the collect on the second Sunday after Christmas so important. Uh, it says, O oh God, who wonderfully created and yet wonderfully restored the dignity of human nature. And the key word there is restored in the past tense. Yep. You have already been restored. Uh, you know, I mean, I, Lord knows I will be making resolutions on January. And I try and keep them in the horizontal sense because, you know, my wife doesn't need me to have a stroke or a headache. 
and uh, or a heart attack by the you know by the time I'm you know 48. Uh, but uh, you know, but in the sense of God, you in Jesus Christ have already been restored. You know what I mean? Uh, your dignity has already been uh, uh, accomplished in Jesus. So he sees you as perfect right now. I was talking to a good friend who um, has been preaching in a peer group, is in a, is in a, is in a sermon peer group. And uh, uh, he keeps, kept saying to me, he's been preaching the gospel to this group, and they keep saying, you know, uh, you're just not giving me anything to do. You know, but what do I need to do? And uh, that is, that's the last thing you want to do uh, when you preach a sermon. You want to remind people that uh, uh, everything's already been wonderfully restored in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So um, anything we do is the fruit of that for the sake of our neighbor. And we yeah. see that clearly in our readings today from Jeremiah 31, 7 well, to 14. And hold on, I'll give you a second. Uh, Ephesians <laughs> 1, 3 to 19. And then I believe we're looking at the reading for the Epiphany, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. But Aaron, what did you want to say before you were rudely cutting me off? That's right. Well, uh, <laughs> I wanted kidding. to say that most people already know what they need to do. Yes, they just don't right. want to do it or they're in Amen. denial about it. And that's why when clergy people <laughs> say, tell us what to do, or when your congregation says, tell us what to do, uh, <laughs> They already know. There's this passage in First Samuel chapter um, 7, and I know this just because I've memorized First Samuel. Just kidding. I just taught on First Samuel today, and so this, <laughs> it's, it's fresh in my mind. But, uh, you know, the people are oppressed by the Philistines. and like, what should we do? And Samuel's like, stop worshiping Baal and Astarte. Which, you know, again, they already knew because the first commandment is, I'm the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods but me. Um, and it's like when uh, people go to John the Baptist in the New Testament for repentance and baptism, they say, what should we do? And he's like, stop stealing money from people and extorting them. And um, so, for us, like, we basically know what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, and so mm. the, the the good news is not somebody telling you what you should do, because if you just take about five seconds and think about your life, you probably know what you shouldn't be doing. And that's not good news. The good news is somebody that says, in spite of what you're doing or not doing, you are loved. And as the colleague mm -hmm. says, you are restored. Um, and it is being rooted and grounded in that forgiveness that then makes you into the kind of person that maybe will do things a little mm -hmm. differently in the future. Not because you're so self-conscious and focused on about it and, and uh, kind of like white knuckling through it with willpower, but because you know that you're loved and, and you're safe. So uh, anyways, that's all I would say about that. Your congregation already knows what to do. They're not like, oh, I'm not supposed to be a total jerk. Oh, thank you for telling me, preacher. I guess I'll stop doing that now. See, it's not it's not that simple. So low anthropology, preach the preach the gospel. So on that note, let's dig into this Jeremiah 31 reading. Um, and as your people walk in still feeling a little hungover from New Year's Eve, and you've got these readings from Jeremiah, Ephesians, and Mark. And by the way, before we begin, I should note that if you are a non-Episcopalian <laughs> preacher listening to this, or in a non-Episcopalian congregation, if you're just following the revised common lectionary, this is one of those few Sundays where the Episcopal prayer book lectionary differs from the RCL. Jeremiah is the same, Ephesians, same chapter, Ephesians uh, uh, chapter 1, the RCL has some verses that 
the Episcopal lectionary doesn't have, and the Episcopal lectionary has in verses. Anyway, there's some overlap, but some differences. And then in terms of the New Testament reading, if you're following the RCL, you're reading John 1, which in the Episcopal Church, we already read that because we went to church on Christmas Day just like Jesus told us to. So we don't need to read it again on January 2nd. So the readings that we do have, there's three options for the gospel reading on January 2nd, the second Sunday after Christmas in the Episcopal Church. And they are the story of Jesus and his family's escape as refugees into Egypt and then their return to Galilee. Or you can read Luke 2, which is Jesus as a 12-year-old um, who gets uh, left home alone in Jerusalem while Joseph and Mary um, forget him in the minivan. And then there's um, Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12, which is the story of the arrival of the Magi, the wise men. And that's the one we're going to be talking about just because it's... We figure it's kind of the reading that centers on Epiphany, and if you haven't had an Epiphany service, or you did but nobody came to it, or you're not an Episcopalian and this is the Sunday you're going to be talking about Epiphany. Anyways, that's why we're doing it. So Matthew 2 is what we're talking about. Thank this you. long, boring, moving on, now we can jump in. <laughs> Jeremiah 31, Thus saith the Lord, sing aloud with gladness for Jacob Smith, and raise shouts for the chief of nations. Uh, Jake, this is a long Old Testament poem. What are you going to say about it? Uh, well, I would, um, you know, if you're going to preach on this, uh, you need to give it a little background and that this is uh, what's called, um, also known as the, um, essentially the Oracle of Gladness. And uh, this is where God begins to promise Israel uh, redemption, even in the midst of their captivity. And so a lot of this uh, seems just kind of a little bizarre, for example, opening up, but it opens up very specifically. These are not simply Jeremiah's words. These are not empty promises. This word comes directly from the Lord. And so uh, he says, Sing aloud with gladness, Jacob, for ja sing aloud with gladness for Jacob and raise shouts for the chief of nations. Now, do you know how ridiculous that is? Uh, because at this moment, uh, Israel is in captivity. Um, it does not look uh, very bright for Israel. Um, and uh, and yet God gives them this promise and reminds them, even in their captivity, that they are the chief of nations. And this is so, this ties back into the college because in this moment, God is reminding Israel in captivity, hey, you still have, dig you, you, you have dignity. You know what I mean? I haven't forgotten you. And so this, the response to this promise in the midst of your darkness is one, uh, proclaim it. Uh, give praise to God and remind everyone you come into contact. Save, O Lord, your people, the remnant of Israel. And so I would really uh, begin with that, is that uh, this word from the Lord comes to Israel in an undignified place to remind them um, of, the, uh, of the promise that he has never forgotten them. Yeah. Um, and so I think, and there's a lot of people at this time of year, you know, it's still dark outside, uh, CVS and the Dwayne Reed have already packed up their Christmas stuff. Mm. You know what I mean? The holiday music is over. Even though we're still in the middle of Christmas, the easy listening stations are back to the, to, to the non-Christmas crap. And so, uh, and you're beginning to wonder, you know, you just had a big fight with a relative at Christmas. You had a big fight with your friend and you're wondering, is there any hope? And uh, the Lord reminds Israel in this moment, yes, there is hope. Yeah, so this uh, book of Jeremiah mostly is Jeremiah warning the people of Israel, get your act together or you're going to uh, 
taste the sword of the Babylonians and they don't get their act together and they do and they're exiled. And so this is all about, you know, there's going to be a redemption. We're going to be restored. It's going to happen. And one of the things that is key to note in this passage is um, this seemingly throwaway kind of Old Testament line about about Ephraim and what the heck mm. is this thing about Ephraim? And basically, Ephraim was not the firstborn. This is verse 9 of chapter 31. Ephraim was not the firstborn. Uh, and yet it says here, Ephraim is my firstborn. And this is a reference to basically God taking somebody who's not something and making them someone who is. So yeah. this yeah, is what he does. Yeah, it goes back to Genesis, the end of Genesis where Jacob, uh, who's Israel, is blessing Joseph's sons. And Joseph had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And Manasseh was the older one. And if you remember, Joseph begins to bless Ephraim, and, uh, or Jacob begins to bless Ephraim, and Joseph steps in, saying, no, 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 this is the firstborn. And Jacob's like, I know exactly what I'm doing. Yep. And so it begins to, so because the second son in, in those days and in this world is always the forgotten one. You know, everything went to the firstborn. I once heard a story about um, uh, the Morgans. They're long members of St. George's. And, um, and uh, J.P. Morgan actually really, like, embraced that, um, that idea of the firstborn gets everything. And, indeed, the first son of Morgan got everything, while the others uh, got nothing. Now, they all married really well. But uh, in terms of that, um, that title, I mean, it, that's very reflective of that. And so... Uh, but but God is reminding the people of Israel. You want to interpret the scriptures, you interpret it through the scriptures. And God is reminding Israel of that story. Uh, uh, the second born actually received everything. And so you may be feeling like a second child. Um, you know, you may be feeling like a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Sing but, it. Uh, uh, in the gospel, in the promises of God, you are not. Ephraim is my firstborn. You know? Yeah, yeah. Most people feel like they're doing a pretty bad job at being a good Christian, and uh, Jake and I excluded. But the thing about, I mean, the good news here is it's that true. God, God's, God doesn't. It's sort of like this is saying God doesn't care where you are in the birth order. God doesn't care in terms of your performance or whatever. Mm. He's the one that declares you to be righteous because that's what he does. He he's the one that says you have worth and you have value and and so there's just good news and and so in this this is a word that was preached to suffering people that everything will be put right again and that's a that's a, a good message. And I think, you know, and so and then this uh, can I just say it pivots Absolutely. this is very important. It pivots from the word to Israel to now to the nations. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations. This isn't Jeremiah's opinions. This isn't I basically feel you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, when people say they're like, well, I just basically feel, no, no, this is hear the word of the Lord, O nations. This is coming with, con, uh, with, uh, like, uh, power and declare it to the coastlands far away because the coastlands were the land of the Gentiles. And listen to this. If you think you're having trouble and, you know, uh, and, and there's this great story about an old pastor who was like, you know, uh, you know, God didn't do this to you. Well, actually, God sometimes is in control and he's always in control and he's in charge sometimes of the crap that hits your life as well. Because it says right here, he who scattered Israel. And you know what I mean? And uh, maybe there has been a part of your life that's been scattered as well. Uh, you know, the good news of the gospel is, is that God is in control of that. He's not up in heaven ever being like, damn, what happened to you? It's like, you know, he's in yeah. control, but he's going to gather them and will keep him 
as a shepherd, as a flock. And this ties into why Jesus was born among shepherds. These were the lowliest, but the shepherds have actually historically in the prophetic tradition always been the guardians of God's people and the guardians of Israel. So for the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. And wherever you're sitting at right now, whatever problem you're facing, God will redeem you from those hands that are too strong for you as well. Uh, you can turn it over to his wounded hands. And this is the good news at the, the end here, is that, man, uh, at the end, and you may not see it in this age, but in the end, redemption is coming, uh, a time when young women will rejoice and dance, and young men and the old shall be merry. That didn't happen to captives. And he says, finally, God will do this. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. And, and then verse the 14, priests, my favorite verse. Yep, I will I'll give, give the priests the, priest. the fill of fatness. Mm, that's what I'm doing right now. Mm, the staff delicious. kitchen is full of uh, muffins, cookies. It's amazing. People have been dropping off moose track popcorn like crazy. And Somebody just I brought you just... champagne. I watched it happen when we were pre-gaming the show. <laughs> I know, I'm swelling up like a blimp. Dude, uh, you know my pants the other day, I was like, I put them on and I was like, I really have to handle this situation before it gets My collars are getting tight, let me tell you what. Oh, I know. So I had the problem the other day with the, you know, the clip at the front of the collar, it kept popping off. And so, because, and I was just like, dude, you can always judge Wayne by by your collar. And so anyway, I just, that's a Had to break out the emergency frat priest uh, collar. Uh, now, in now, case of emergency. Now, everybody is listening and they're like, damn, what am I going to preach? And I'm not preaching on Jeremiah, so let's make our way to Ephesians. I know, let's and, keep uh, going. Okay. And keep going. Skipping wisdom of Solomon, never preach the Apocrypha. Moving on to Ephesians uh, chapter 1. Um, and so the verses that are appointed for this are 3 through 6, 15 through 19a. Don't you dare read 19b. <laughs> And it's a bummer that verses 7 through 14 are skipped. They got the power. They got uh, it. They got the reading. I mean, it does, it's all the word of God. It's great. But 7 through 14 is like, is the blood. And it's the, it's the, it's the passion of Christ. It's the sacrifice. And it's, it's kind of the heart of the message. And it's got this great stuff um, where it says in verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. Um, mm-hmm. And it's all this great stuff that is, you know, omitted. But, I mean, the stuff that remains is good. Just know that that's, that's the beating heart. That's the fuel of the engine here. Because it begins by talking about what God has done for us in Christ to redeem us, to adopt us, to make us God's children, all mm-hmm. of that. And then he skips all the, then this, the electionary committee skips all the blood stuff and then gets to the, the, you know, Paul getting to the section of his letter where it's like, hey, Ephesians, you're so great, which is true. Um, and that they are, uh, um, you know, they do have this amazing faith and, and, and Paul prays this prayer for them. But um, just know, preacher, that there's a middle section here that gets cut, which is really good and kind of gives the gives the power to this whole reading. But if you take it as it's as it's selected for the Sunday verses three through six and fifteen through nineteen a, the the thing that you want. I mean, there's so much you could speak on in this. Again, it's New Year's Eve. It's people making New Year's resolutions. It's people feeling guilty about what happened on New Year's Eve. It's all that stuff that people are kind of mixed in. It's a mixture of both. <laughs> failure and overconfidence it's like human (laughs) arrogance and self-loathing at the same time so all this is in there and what you want to tell people is that this should be known as human humanity sunday oh my gosh it is it is like alka-seltzer sunday uh, yeah 
depression and uh, yeah, overconfidence. So Lexapro Sunday. So the <laughs> the thing that um, I think is so powerful, and you could just preach a whole sermon on this, is um, the fact that God chose you, uh, that, which is another way of saying you are beloved, uh, that he That's picked right. you. And this is verse four, and it is just worth underlining and circling and highlighting uh, for your people that their life, as they say in the 12-step movement, it's none of your business. Like God chose you before the foundation <laughs> of the world. Before you were born, before you went to prom, before you um, cheated on your high school girlfriend, before you dodged some things on your tax form, before you lied to your children, <laughs> before you all these things. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm, Jacob Smith. I have a word from the Lord for you. Um, all these things, God chose you before the foundation of the world, and he chose you to be holy and blameless. And that doesn't mean he chose you to try to be perfect, and if you screw up, then he's done with you. That means he is the one who is making you holy and blameless. He is the one that's doing it. And and there's the whole tone of the sentence is like, God has done this, God has done this, yes. God has done this. Amen. And as Fleming Rutledge talks about all the time, like God is the subject, God is the actor, God is the doer in this. And so many times we make the mistake of making Christianity something we do, and it is not. It's something Amen. that God does. So that's yeah. that's what I would say about this. Yeah, and uh, just uh, just a bit of a theological content as you're thinking about your sermon. Uh, the word here is not just simply destined. The word here is predestined, um, and uh, that is the Greek word. And, uh, you know, and a lot of people, especially because we live in a society where manifest destiny baptized Christianity, as opposed to the other way around, when there's ever an attack on uh, the idea of free will in this country, American Christians love to reach for their holster. But my friends, if you're an Episcopalian, historically, we have never confessed free will. Just, that's just the thing. Just FYI. Just FYI, a little lesson. Uh, We believe in the doctrine of predestination. Now, first of all, the opposite of predestination is not free will. Um, oh, what's that sound? Uh, oh, that's people yeah. stopping listening to our podcast. <laughs> well, just so. really quick. Uh, the point is, as you've said, uh, uh, God, this, this doctrine is a doctrine of comfort. And so when you're preaching to your congregation, because indeed they may have, I love this, Lexapro Sunday, uh, they may have done something this past year that they don't want to confess, and they are believing right now that uh, how, uh, like, how could God ever love them? And the doctrine of predestination and what Paul is getting across here to his listeners is, is that uh, you have done nothing to earn it and God has chosen you. And that doctrine is a doctrine of immense comfort mm-hmm. and becomes the enabling word to, for a person who is deeply troubled to stand and live in the spirit of forgiveness and enjoy their forgiveness and really live into the great that grace. And Paul talks about this. I mean, Ephesus was crazy. These people were worshiping all sorts of things. And Paul says, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that becomes the enabling word when things are dark. And he says, and and this is, may he give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. Know him as the one who is totally responsible for your faith and has chosen you so that the eyes of your hearts might be enlightened, not your brain, because your brain is saying you choose something, you got to do something, but the eyes of your heart might be enlightened to know the hope that he's called you to, which is that nothing you do can separate you from his love. Preach it. 
and that the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, the saints are those, as the book of Revelation reminds us, are around the throne already praising the lamb that was slain. And so, you know, that, that nothing can separate you from his love, not, not whatever you did over New Year's Eve, not whatever else, not even death itself, because the immeasurable greatness of his power for us to believe is that he has conquered death and that he's chosen you, that he knows you, and that nothing will separate you from him. That's the good news of the gospel you can deliver from Ephesians and get into the nitty-gritty with 7 through 14 as, as your uh, proof. And uh, to our PCA listeners and other people to whom <laughs> things like double predestination and limited atonement matter, uh, I that's would just, not what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about. And the Episcopal Church has always said about those, and the Anglican uh, Church has always said about those questions. La 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 la. Which is to say, um, this we is. We do not uh, peer are, into the hiddenness of God, nor do we speculate. Right. That's right. Praise God, Jacob Smith. I love you so much. Okay. okay. Moving on to our choice of the three choices of the gospel reading. We picked the one that's most epiphany-ish, the three, uh, or we don't know how many, the text doesn't say, but the traditionally held three wise men that arrive to bring gifts to the Christ toddler, not the Christ infant, the Christ toddler, um, in the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born, these wise men come from the east, these magi, these... Um, uh, Magicians, Iranian space wizards, as somebody recently called it, which is basically true. Yeah, and Daniel, Daniel was one. Don't forget, people need to remember yeah, that's that right. the prophet so, Daniel was a, an, an Iranian space wizard. As well. So, so Daniel was the uh, Jewish uh, um, intellectual who was part of the exiled uh, class to go to Babylon and then to and Persia and to and change his name and all that and. Uh, do that whole deal. So anyways, but this is the Magi. They arrive and they want to bring uh, treasures to to this king of the Jews, they say. And King Herod uh, pretends like he wants to worship, but it's just so he can get information about where this child is so that I can worship him too. But really he wants to kill him. Uh, and so the Magi come and they, they bring these gifts and they give them to Christ, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then in a dream, God tells them, oh, wait, don't go tell myrrh. Herod. Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> there's myrrh. Uh, I just, you said the joke, but I wanted to say it too, because I love it so much. Um, so, th- how, I mean, this is a story. It's one of those things people know it really well. They have magi on their mantelpiece at home. Uh, it, there's um, the kind of standard sermon on this, which is like gold means he's a king and incense means he's a priest and myrrh was a spice used to anoint bodies for burial. So it's a kind of foreshadowing of Jesus' death. Yes, all those things are true. What I always like to preach on, if I'm going to preach this passage, is the fact that we have people who are total outsiders of the Jewish tradition who come to worship Christ. Mm. And it's a foreshadowing of the fact that Jesus is for everybody, even people who don't follow the law, wow. because these guys were not circumcised. They were they did not keep kosher. They did not do all the things that you're supposed to do. And yet they still recognize Christ well, as king. And a little fun fact there, uh, all the first readers of this, the last time uh, Magi and Wiseman came from the east uh, to visit a king from Israel, they came with an army yep. and uh, destroyed Israel. But this time they're coming Which to is pay homage. kind of what and that so, whole Jeremiah thing is about. Like, exactly. They came and they destroyed, and so Israel is exiled. Now Israel is kind of back home, but also still sort of, they are definitely not the chief of nations at this but point. But they've come uh, to worship this king to fulfill prophecy. That's right. 
So, mm-hmm. and I, so I mean that that's a huge connection point. And, and just to tell folks, uh, this is this is a an indication of the redemption that is prophesied in the beginning at that Jeremiah reading, and then you have um, uh, this, these outsiders coming in. So just like yeah. we saw the shepherds, the outsiders who are worshiping Christ at His birth, now you have the magi, another kind of outsider. And as we head, if you do want to preach on Epiphany, which again is January sixth, so it's going to come between this Sunday, January second. And the next Sunday, January 9th, which is the first Sunday after Epiphany, and the reading is going to be the baptism of Jesus Christ in the Jordan River by his cousin John. So this is the only Sunday you have to talk about Epiphany. You can talk about Epiphany on Epiphany, but that's a Thursday and nobody's going to be in church. So, I mean, you might. We're going to have a service and a couple people come. It'll be great. But if you want to talk about Epiphany, it's this Sunday and it's this reading and the message of Epiphany revealing is that Christ is for everybody. And that's what we see from the beginning of Jesus's ministry with the Magi, not even his ministry. He's not done anything. He's like, he's eating Cheerios at this point. And yet still he's for everybody. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things too. I mean, you know, the, the, the gold frankincense and myrrh, that's all really interesting. Um, and it is, uh, but there's a couple of things that I would hit on here. If I was, if I was preaching, uh, first, uh, Basically, these guys uh, did not uh, find the king of Israel on their own. And as a matter of fact, the star did not lead them to the king of Israel. General revelation let them know that, um, that something amazing had happened, but they needed to go to the scriptures to find this. And so when because the, their, their instinct took them to the wrong place. It took them to Herod. And what right. they needed was a word from outside of themselves, which is the scriptures. And uh, the scripture reminds us that Jesus is, the, as Luther said, the manger wherein Christ uh, is laid. And so that's an important thing. Second of all, I think Herod embodies the world here. You know, uh, and by that, what I mean is, is that the world is always saying one thing and means another. You know what I mean? So the world is always saying, for example, like, you know, sex is no big deal. But then like, bam, me too. You know what I mean? And what is it? Yeah. You know, the world the, the, uh, the world is always saying we want to include everybody as long as you agree exactly with us. This is the way the world operates. It's always saying one thing and meaning another. Go search for the child so that I can worship him. No, no. A.K.A. I also want to kill him. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're going to be preaching about what can you bring to the manger, because as an Episcopalian, we're obligated Ooh. to love like in the midweek winter, that song. And uh, it has that horrible line at the end, you know, what can I give him? I can give him my heart. Uh, well, that is a rusty tongue. Tan- <laughs> like, that is not a gift. I mean, my heart is loaded with cholesterol and sin, as we've said, and that's nothing yes. to give the Lord. Uh, if you're going to give the Lord anything and bring anything to his manger, uh, bring him your sin, uh, bring him your perdition, uh, bring him all of that baggage that you've been carrying for 2021 and leave it right there at the manger because that baby grows up to be the man on the cross mm. and he can take it. And in faith in doing that and meeting him in bread and wine and all of the other things that go with it, uh, you, like the wise men, will uh, leave your church that Sunday another way. And, uh, you know, you're not going to go back the same way. You're going to lead another way. And, uh, and that's the way of faith, trusting uh, not what we see, but the promises that we have heard. For, uh, dear preacher, when you preach, thus saith the Lord needs to be uh, uh, your beginning and your end. And preach in great confidence of the gospel that you've been given. And uh, your people will lead at least for about five seconds um, uh, home another way. Well, that'll do it for 
Sunday, January 2nd, the second Sunday after Christmas, and the one that will be for many of your people kind of like Epiphany Sunday, uh, although there is no such thing as Epiphany Sunday unless January 6th falls on a Sunday. Uh, until then, uh, keep thinking about your New Year's resolutions and um, what you will do when you fail them. But whatever happens, know that you're loved, uh, and that'll do it. Amen. Somebody's looking. Somebody wonders what you're doing today You know we crucified him, buried him But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away and yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production, and remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.